This is Rick McCord, and we want everyone to give me back my pro wrestling. It was great, and I miss it. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey, this is Jimmy from the Live and in Color with Wolfie D and Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Podcast. Would you like to also make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. And that's how you're hearing this right now. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, it's made the job of producing multiple podcasts so much easier. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. This is Steve Bowtie Bryant here. Back in the 90s, I was a pro wrestling photographer for the South and I released what might have been one of the original sets of indie trading cards. I ran across some of these original sets. They were up in Randall Fanning's attic all this time. PG-13 rookie card, Ricky Morton, George Weingroff as the Sheep, Chris Champion, Reno Riggins, Billy Montana, Gary Valiant, the Scorpion, the Medic, Rick Reynolds, Jeff Daniels, Mephisto and Dante, Ben Jordan, Steve Neely, Marcus Woodrow, Clinton Charisma, Little Farmer John. If you'd like an opportunity to get these cards, contact me now. You can get them for only $49.99. Contact me at Steve Bowtie Bryant at iCloud.com. Get your set now while supplies last. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one more time to the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Podcast. And here I am, as always, with my brother from the same father and mother, the Plastic Sheik, Jared Street. What's up, Jut? How you doing? I'm good, brother. How about yourself? I am good, man. Just, you know, doing this thing as I always am, you know, podcast, podcast, podcast. But everything's good. Just knock them out constantly. You and Wolfie have been doing some good ones lately. Yeah, yeah, we've had some good interviews. We you know, just we just did our top ten oh my god moments. That was kind of yeah. fun. And then we interviewed Boris Zukov, the oh, Russian nice. 
Yeah, and then we just interviewed Bob Cook today, and Bob's been a long time underneath guy for the you know WCW Championship Wrestling from Florida. Mm-hmm. He he had a cool run, so good interviews. Very happy with all of them. So I'm excited for those to come out, and but I'm most excited about this one today, man. We got Rick McCord, man. I'm stoked. Yeah, man, it should be a great one. I'm uh, I'm really excited. That picture you sent me the other day with uh, Steamboat, Piper, Flair, and him all in kind of one, like, hanging back watching the matches go on or something like that, man, that was <laughs> that's a trip. Oh, Jay yeah. Youngblood was on it, too. Sorry. Yeah, it kind of lets you know where he is coming from, where he's worked. I mean, it, it's a cool photo, and, you know, it's like, who are all these guys in this photo? And then you kind of figure it out, and yeah. there's some legendary dudes in there, and then Rick's standing right there with them, so it kind of lets you know where where he was and where he's you know what he's all about you know yeah where he's been yeah Absolutely. Well, I'm very excited to get him on, but of course, I want to do a little company business here. First off, we got to thank Tommy Angel. He's climbing the charts quickly, you know, got some great responses from all the people that listened to that episode. He's going to be, I think he's going to be concerning Gators, number one spot in a little bit for sure. Doing some great numbers with that one. Thank you all so much. If you haven't, for some reason, listened to that episode and you're listening to this one, definitely go back and listen to that one. It was a lot of fun and Man, he's just really put us over too as far as everything, and he really enjoyed his time on here. So hopefully that means more people. I think hopefully David Isley will be coming soon. I'm I'm excited about that. And man, we've got a lot of other people lined up that like I said, it's just humbling and excited at the same time, you know. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's a it's good that uh good that us being from this little neck of the woods can uh can get to can get to anybody that uh has been anywhere to do to talk to us, man, it's, you know, we're, we've been lifelong fans, but sometimes that doesn't mean anything. So, right. Definitely a blessing. You know, we've, we're just some small town kids that get a chance to talk some pro wrestlers and, and having fun with it. You know, one of the things we just did, and I got to thank you for this chic. We just went to Johnson city, Tennessee on November 11th. It was a Saturday and we watched us some wrestling, some WWE super show. And man, I had a good time. What about you? Yeah, man, I did. The kids had a good time too, you know. Yeah, that was the most important part, you know. <laughs> yeah, they they loved it. Um, you know, it was you know we had good seats. We were right there at the ring. I felt like we could see everything good and. Uh, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Made a little bit of scrunched up, but luckily I could put little Sheik on my lap a little bit. He could. Yeah, and Paisley was sitting beside me and gave me half her seat too. So <laughs> <laughs> I hope you we, know. I know Sheik's a fan, but I hope Paisley came out a fan too. You know. So. I, I think I think it probably increased her fandom of it a little bit. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, she's all time playing uh, with little Sheik when he he wants her to play. He's like, "Come on, play wrestlers with me." So <laughs> she gets forced into it sometimes. So yeah, so I'm sure she's doing good at that. But yeah, they seem to have had fun, and I, it was cool seeing it through their eyes. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I don't think little Sheik. I mean, I bet his cheeks were hurting after that because he didn't stop smiling the whole time. You know? So yeah. There was a time when Becky Lynch came out and, you know, it was, I said, hey, Pax, let's go over there and see her. And I tried to say, and he was like, no, he was so shy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It, 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 that was like our one opportunity to get any closer like that. But, you know, yeah. we had to, we might have to get in those seats next time where he doesn't have to work for it. It just had to. Yeah. Yeah. Those superstar experiences, people were sitting right beside us. So that kind of tells everybody what kind of seats we had, but three rows back and four seats over from the, from the entryway. So it was very cool, man. Yeah. 
had a lot I enjoyed of fun. it though. I had a good time with you and the kids and yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to try to do it again sometime. Yeah, man. Well, you know, I, I'd like to, I told everybody I'd like to see some old wrestling, but unfortunately we, we don't have that anymore. So we have to watch what, what's given to us. So yeah. it was definitely, it was definitely a lot of fun and I think they had a great experience. And I tell you, man, I remember some about the wrestling, but I didn't remember how, you know, intimate the freedom hall was, you know what I mean? So yeah, to me, it's it's like we really got the chance to. I don't think there's a bad seat in that house, you know. So yeah, no, I think you could have seen it pretty good from anywhere in there. It could be maybe some side angles you couldn't see it as good from, but right. most of the most of the angles, I think you could see it pretty good from. So yeah, and we saw people like you know Cody Rhodes, The Miz, L.A. Knight, Becky Lynch, yeah. of course, Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, Kevin I thought it Owens, was Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Usos. both Usos. Yeah, it was. I mean, again, I don't follow it that closely, but it's, it was just a lot of fun just to see that. And again, you know, I was asking Paxton, I was like, who are we yelling for in this match? You know, and yeah, you know, we saw we saw the uh, longest reigning Intercontinental Champion now. So in Gunther, yeah, and we got Gunther. to see Little Nate. I popped about that. We, uh, yeah, so. we were probably more popped about that than anything. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Gunther's chops sounded like they hurt, though. Yeah. There was no way you couldn't hear that in the. I bet they heard that in Kingsport, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was a lot of fun. I appreciate you, you know, bringing me there and watching that. That was a lot of fun. It was a very fun experience. Got to spend some time and and watch some wrestling, you know? Yeah. I'm glad you. We're glad you could make it because it was a. Yeah. Just a. You never know. It was like kind of a. You know, had a couple weeks notice to you, but you never right. can tell sometimes. <laughs> Spur of the moment, but hey, it was worth it. Absolutely. But yeah, man, you know, I guess with all that being said there, I think we should go ahead and get our guest on the show. What do you think? Yeah, man. Let's get him on here. All right. We'll be right back with Rick McCord after these messages. Hey, guys, this is Wolfie D from PG-13. Check out my podcast, Live and in Color with Wolfie D every Monday at noon. We're talking Memphis. We're talking ECW, WCW, WWE. Everywhere that I've been, we even have some great guests, some Hall of Famers on the show with us. Every Monday, live and in color with Wolfie D. Join me, Gene Jackson, for the Jackson Interaction Podcast, where I'll be doing one-on-one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling, as well as stand-up comedy. You can get them anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form, but you can find them all at GeneJacksonPod.com. All right, we are back with our very special guest today. And honestly, Jared, I just, once again, we're getting some great guests, man. And and I want to go ahead and introduce him right now. He is the legendary Rick McCord. Rick, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, thank you for the invitation. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Awesome. Awesome. Great to have you, man. Yeah. We'll, we'll have some fun. I tell you, all we like to do is just tell good stories and, and talk about your, your days in the wrestling business. So this will be a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah. One thing, you know, uh, we always start a show with is the plastic Sheik. We always start with his favorite question. Sheik, take it away. All right, Rick. So what this question is designed to do is it's just going to tell the people who, like your influences and in, in wrestling, who your favorites were, anything like that, or just somebody you just, you just all around liked. But like if you had a top four or top five favorite people in the wrestling business, a Mount Rushmore, so to say, of yeah. wrestling, it, who would that be? Um, well, for one main one would be Randy Savage. 
I learned so much from him and from Lanny, his brother. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, I, I was part of the beginning of ICW yeah. and also, also was, uh, voted, uh, rookie of the year. So that was a great honor um, that I appreciated. Awesome. Um, and then, um, of course, just there's a bunch of uh, Wahoo McDaniel. I, I got to tag with him one time, and that was a major honor. Yeah, um, that's awesome. I, I, um, my dream was to wrestle for Mid-Atlantic, but I went to several places, other territories, and gained all the experience that I could. So I would look much better in front of the home crowd. So that's what yeah. I did. Um, and then with Mid-Atlantic, um, I got to wrestle my home Civic Center in the Greensboro Coliseum, where I always like to go. And yeah. um, so then I've, I've made major friends from just that era alone. Um, I actually, after I retired, I got into the transportation business and I now have a limo service here in Roanoke. Oh, and awesome. I, I got the surprise, uh, Ricky Steamboat. I, I saw his name come up on the schedule for a, a trip to the airport. And so he, he comes walking out from in, uh, the lobby and sees me standing there by the car. And he was, he was shocked. But I always had the, the most respect for him. He was, he's one of the nicest people that's in the whole business, I would say. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it just, it's just been different ones like that. I, I spent a lot of time in central states and, um, Bob Geigel was a great promoter to work for that, you know, so I, I, I had the opportunity to meet and work with and even tag with some of the, the best in the business. That was, yeah. that was a, a great ride. Wow. Great list, man. It's, it's, you know, Ricky Steamboat, yeah. Ricky Steamboat is somebody that, I think people like remember him when they talk about uh, Randy Savage in the match at WrestleMania three, or they remember mm-hmm. him with the with the flare matches he had. But man, he was he was a worker and a half, man. I mean, that's oh yes. <laughs> so yeah, I tried to do his arm drag, but but he yeah. he had a protector that it wasn't it was a little bit hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. we don't blame you for not being able to do that when it's okay. <laughs> uh, that's incredible. Yeah. You, you know, there's a famous photo of you, and it's got Steamboat, Youngblood. I think it's Barry Horowitz, Roddy Piper, and Ric Flair in the photo. And I, I, that's like the Mount Rushmore right there, you know? So that's a pretty crazy picture. Do you remember taking that photo? I guess it was taken of you, I would assume. Yeah. I do. I think it's the one that I've seen come up several times. It was at a uh, high school gym. Yeah, and we were standing along the wall, uh, just waiting for watching the matches and waiting for our turn to come up. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's the picture that I've seen it several times. Yeah, it's a great photo. And I, was it Barry Horowitz or Brad Armstrong? I can never tell. I'm, I'm always Barry Horowitz. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought, yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, incredible picture. And it's just like, you know, uh, and one thing, Rick, is funny is I didn't realize Piper was as tall as he was because, you know, you had all the guys that are pretty much the same height, you know, and Rick sitting down. But, you know, it was funny because Piper just looked crazily tall there. It was like, <laughs> you know, but I mean, yeah. Barry Horowitz was pretty 
tall guy too, I thought. So anyway, yeah. He was just a little bit taller than me. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, it's just crazy to think that you've got all that encompassed in one photo and you're standing right there with them. So thank you for being our guest today on the show. This is awesome. Very awesome. Thank you for the invitation. Yes, sir. Well, Rick, we, you know, we talked about other guys now, but I want to talk about Rick McCord now. So Rick, my very first question of every show is this is let's talk about your younger days. Your where'd you go to high school? Where were you born? What sports did you play? Okay. <laughs> well, I was born in Salem, Virginia, and yeah. after all the wrestling and everything, I, that's where I settled back at. Yeah. I'm actually I actually live in the house I grew up in. Wow. So, I, I toured the country and then come back home. Yeah. But uh anyway, I um I met uh, a guy named Mike Weddle who uh, wrestled as Eclipso. Yes, sir. And uh, he had a ring in his backyard up in Salem. And I met him at the matches, uh, Starland Arena. Uh, That was where the first match I ever went to was. And uh, so he had... uh, he had, he had built this ring with railroad ties planted in the ground. Oh. So it was a solid stiff <laughs> ring. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and we, we, every Saturday we started doing matches, you know, through the week we'd, you know, we'd watch and, and, and work on moves and then we'd have matches. And, and then we started running some spot shows with somebody that had a, a portable ring. Yeah. And after doing that a little while, I said, I want to do this for real. And yeah. I, I went to, uh, Jay Youngblood told me, uh, cause I, I used to talk to him at the matches long before I ever worked for Crockett. And he told me Tennessee was the best place to get your break. Um, and so that's what I did. I went out there and, um, I did the tryout match on TV and, and they told me to come back. Yeah. So yeah. that's when it started. That was in 78. Wow. So uh, that was, I don't want to make you sound, but that was actually the year I was born, Rick. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> so, so no disrespect, okay. please. No, but, not at so, all. so did you train with Mike? Was Mike ahead of you in the business or did y'all learn together or how did that work? We'd, we worked at, we go to the matches on Saturday night and then Sunday we'd come back and we would get out in the ring and we would have our own matches. Okay. And we actually even started drawing a crowd uh, wow, on, on a awesome. Sunday. Yeah. You know, so that, you know, I, I, I just said, I want to do it for real and try to make a living at it. And yeah, and yeah. he, he, he was a little behind. I mean, he, he never really toured. Uh, he, right. he, he went to right. places and you know, cause we didn't keep in tight contact, but, sure. um, but he never really actually got into the business of that's all he did. And, you know, I, I, I went to where I was doing seven days a week and yeah. all over the place. You were, you were, and I can't wait to talk about all of it, but to go back to clip a little bit here, clip actually trained my mentor and trainer and the guy that got me in the business Kenny Steele and uh-huh. Kenny Pack and Kenny just passed away a couple years back unfortunately yeah. but anyway I know that Clip and him had kind of fallen out and then got back together and fallen out and then there you know it's kind of like you know it's kind of like I think they had a deep kinship for one another but I feel like also you know it's like 
like a rebellious child. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think Kenny wanted to strike out on his own. And I don't know, you know, everybody wants to be their own promoter until it's time to be the promoter. You know what I mean? So it's a hard job. <laughs> it is a hard job. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so so I guess technically you learned with yourself and and such as that. So go ahead, Jared, ask the question. So you talked about like having like a you know, kind of like a tryout match, but what would you consider your like first official match? And like, was it for like a, what promotion or whatever would it be for? Um, it was for Nick Goulas oh, okay, uh, okay. in Nashville. Okay. And, uh, and I had being in the, like the minor league, um, when I'd go to the matches at Starland or to the Greensboro Coliseum, I made friends with Jay Youngblood and, and different ones like that. And yeah. they used to coach coach me and tell me, you know, what I needed to do and, and the best place to go for a trial to actually get in. And that's why I went to Nashville, because that's what uh, Jay had told me. Cool. So, um, you know, yeah. so, so they, 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 you know, they didn't try to kayfabe around me. They just, um, it, they were open and, and great. And it was, it was several of them, but, um, Jay Youngblood was one of the main ones that I talked to every time I went to the matches. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I bet, yeah. You know, what a loss that guy was, right? He could have been yeah. you know, one of the all-time greats and just oh, a tra- tragic loss there. So so NWA Mid-America for the Goulas family, or Nick mm-hmm. Goulas, as I say, you know, this is going to kind of lead us into our very first section of the name game. But a lot of our listener base is from Nashville. That's kind of our bread and butter people, you know. Okay. So when it comes down to it, you know, Nick Goulas is so legendary there. Talk about Nick himself. I would love to hear some stories about Nick. Um, he, he was very interesting. And uh, I always have repeated, I even told someone a few weeks ago about the, the conversation Nick I had. Yeah. When when I was working there, they let me work in the office and run errands for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that was ideal for me because I'm right in the middle of, you know, some of the best to you know, listen to and, and learn from. And, uh, so, um, one time, uh, you know, Nick was always had the reputation of not paying good. Um, you know, some promoters had that, but, uh, anyway, he, um, you know, I said something about a raise and he said, a raise, uh, he, he says, it's not what you make, it's what you save. And I said, but Nick, how can I save anything if I'm not making any money? And I, everybody in the room just cracked up. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible <laughs> it's so true though it's like yeah. how can you save a dollar if you're only making a dollar you know so yeah it's like wow but, yeah but my education was the was the value in being there that yeah exactly sure yeah exactly and being in the office i got to see a lot of the behind the scenes you know that you know getting guys in there and you know promoting different things so Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, you know, like I said, we normally do the name game during the ending part of our show. But with you, we feel like it would be better if we kind of do it as we go. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to start the very first portion of the show with the name game. So Rick McCord, would you like to play the name game? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) DJ, hit the music. (laughs) Now it's time to play the
All right, we are back with Rick McCord and the name game. And Rick, the very first name, we've already talked about Nick. We got to talk about George. Uh, I saw George a couple of weeks ago in, in uh, Columbia, Tennessee. I went to a reunion there. Yeah. And and he's, um, he's working in the... Um, I think it's like the the security of you know like the jail or prison or something. Yeah. But, uh, he he was always interesting to listen to, and and he was still full of stories. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he was during the the era of him you know wrestling. You know, a lot of people thought he was the promoter's son and got everything, but George is a good guy. Yeah, and, you know, we we got along, never had any problems. Yeah, and I, you know, that's the that's the tough part about being the promoter's son is even if you're a good wrestler, people are going to look like it that it's given to you. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. but it, well, so we're trying to also get George on a show. So maybe Rick, after you have a good time with us, just let George know that we don't bite, okay? So okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next name, uh, Jared, take him away. This is former guest of the show, Arvo Hutto. Arvo Hutto, he was at the um, reunion I just went to, we love and he, yeah. he's even the one I keep in touch with, you know, when I confirmed that I would be there. Yeah. Uh, he's a great guy. He, um, you know, he, he I, I worked with him a couple of times. Uh, most of the time, you know, he was in a tag match in the main events some of the times, and, you know, but always great to talk to. He, I have a lot of respect for him. Yeah, Arvel's a great guy. We're big fans of Dante and Mephisto, and yeah, we like Arvel quite a bit. He's too modest, oh, yeah. though. He's too modest. <laughs> yeah. He, he won't own up to doing nothing. He's like, well, I just wish I did more, you know, and it's like, Arvel, yeah. you did some pretty great stuff, brother. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I, I drove that trip, and then I went to a, a limo convention in Orlando, so it was like 3,300 miles for the whole trip. But Holy I, cow. I, yeah. I didn't want to miss the, the reunion in Columbia because you know that's that's my start that's uh, the first people i knew yeah yeah and God forbid you never know with with as we grow older. And again, I know you're a spring chicken, Rick, but some of the guys, you never know if you're going to see them next time. So it's it's you want to make That's it true. when you can, you know. So you know, speaking of somebody that I wish I could see tomorrow, eh, this one would be beautiful Bobby Eaton. Yeah. Um, I, Bobby was was one of the nicest people, and it was hard for him to to be a heel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, he was so nice. He, he would, um, you know, I don't want to. I'm not one on the, the expose side, but but he'd give you a clothesline, and as you were going down, he said he would say, "You okay? You okay?" <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it, it, he he wouldn't hurt anybody for anything, yeah. and, yeah. and uh, just super super nice guy. Yeah, Bobby was great for sure. Yeah. Jerry, how about Terry Gordy? Um, I met Terry. Uh, I think that was well down when I worked for Bill Watts, and uh, he he was he was a nice guy. I didn't get to talk to him a whole lot because he was kind of in his clique. Gotcha. But, uh, I, I worked a couple of matches with him and Michael Hayes. 
Gotcha. Okay. That that was cool. Yeah. So I was doing my research on you and I was looking up your match history and it actually showed this big match that you worked in for the Ghoulises. And it was all these great names in it and Terry popped up. So maybe we skipped ahead Mm -hmm. too much there, but I'm not sure if uh, if he was actually in that match or not. So I apologize that we got him too quickly there. But (laughs) (laughs) the next one is is the Nightmare Danny Davis. Um. I, I, I was there when Danny was. He was already main event, and uh, it was him and Ken Wayne. And uh, the Tennessee, you know, Tennessee people are just automatically welcoming, and that everyone that I've met was like that. All the boys, you know, it was just, it was great, and everybody wanted to help you and um, you know, coach you a little bit if you needed it. So it was it was a great it was a great way that I started in the business and I I wasn't under the pressure of a um you know gigantic promotion that um my inexperience would have come out but you know I'm glad I got to start in Tennessee and it was the best place. Yeah, that's awesome. That's very cool. Very cool. Great guys. You mentioned him before in your about Randy Savage. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I owe a lot of respect and everything to Randy because he, he gave me a good break. Um, he um, just the matches we had, it was an education every time. And, uh, I, you know, it's unfortunate that I got to work with him like I did. And they put the Rookie of the Year title on me. Uh, so that helped me get a lot of the main event matches with Randy out in the uh, spot shows. That's awesome. And yeah. So, you know, and he was great to work with. Um, all, all you had to do is, you know, just, you know, he didn't like an arrogant person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and he would, he would put them in their place when he had to, and he That's, could do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I got a follow up for you. Uh, I, everybody, I always like to ask everybody that kind of knew Randy. Like, did was he always in that character? Like, always in his like macho man character? He was. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't as loud vocal. You know, he had a, a softer voice that you know when he had talked to you. But you know, but he would he would come into character just in a split of a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> what, what intense gentleman, <laughs> but also yeah. he cared a lot about the business, I think. And that was one thing. Oh, that, yeah. You know, yeah. So he didn't like a, a, a cocky worker. He, you know, he, he, you know, he, he liked somebody that appreciated the business and appreciated word, you know, the boys working with them and everything. Yeah. And if you were arrogant, he would put you in your place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he hey, do it. I believe it. I believe every bit of it. Now, I believe you, you kind of wind up leaving mid America and you actually, you work with these two gentlemen and these two gentlemen actually became quite famous a few years later after this for a, partially an expose on the business and also a slap to a John Stossel and but Dr. D and Eddie Mansfield I think you worked in a tag match with them and I'm I'm not sure about the promotion but do you remember working with them? Yeah I do um, I, it was either right at the end of working for Nick Gullis or when after I left ICW um, I was up there for two years. Then I, I came back home. My stepfather was sick, and I went to help my mom for a little bit. Okay. And he passed away. And just as soon as that happened, I got booked in Memphis. 
Gotcha. And that, okay. I think that's where where our paths crossed. Okay, gotcha. What did you think about that whole deal? What, what, I mean, you, do you do you feel like Doctor D did the right thing there, or do you think it was all a work, or what do you think? Uh, I don't really know what to say on that one. Um, it was, um, you know, I, I respected the business, and the, when somebody yeah. is not respecting the business or the the, the other workers you know yeah that's where you get your weak links and yeah but yeah. but there were some that um you know they they, they rose them to stardom beyond wrestling and i think yeah. that's what they were trying for well hey dr d i don't think he pulled that punch or that slap let's just say that so it yeah. looked <laughs> he looked like he connected a couple times and then i know yeah. eddie eddie I, 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 we've had several guests on the show that have really put over eddie mansfield so again i'm not trying to make you say anything you don't want to say i'm just saying that some people seem to have liked eddie and some people didn't like him because he did that oh, you know so yeah well i liked him he you know we we had a good rapport back in the dressing room and and uh you know, worked with him a couple of times. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I got along with everybody. I, you know, and I, I that's what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't dwell on any imperfections because gotcha. I wasn't perfect. <laughs> Understand. Hey, that's, that's a very realistic way to look at it. So, and yeah. I know that one thing, and I'll always say this was Dr. D was the original stone cold too. So that's my opinion. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he seemed like he had the, the stone cold Steve Austin character before Steve Austin did, but yeah. well, but anyway, let's talk more about Rick McCord. How about that? So okay, when you go to ICW now, ICW for the Poffos, to me, that's one of my favorite after, you know, learning more about the business that's one of my favorite promotions to watch and and one of the two reasons obviously for randy savage and the poffos but there are two other guys that i really enjoyed in icw and we'll we'll talk about them in just a second but leaving nwa mid-america and going to icw for the poffos was randy your connection on that or lanny um i'm trying to remember um it wasn't or they were working for nick gulas right um, while i was there and when they decided to start it, you know, they asked me if I wanted to come along with them. Okay. And, you know, new in the business, I was a little bit scared to, you know, if, if you became somebody that would jump ship, you know, it would right. be a reputation to have. And Sure. But, you know, it, none of that happened that way. Um, you know, it was time for me to go and, and grow some more. See some new so, towns and yeah. 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 And, and so they gave me the opportunity and I moved to Lexington, Kentucky, where they were based. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Did you live in all those apartments with all them? Is that where you were staying? <laughs> no, I, I had, a, had um, I actually knew someone up there and, and uh, she moved to Florida and she let me stay in her house. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Right off New Circle Road. Well, so my brother and I, we're from a small town in, in southwestern Virginia, Lebanon, Virginia. And it uh, turns out ICW ran in Lebanon, Virginia quite a bit because of yeah. this this guy right here, Hoot Gibson. Do you have any good Hoot stories? <laughs> um, I, I, not that I can remember. Just super nice guy. And 
Yeah. yeah, he was a hoot. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. We're actually trying to get him on the show. I know he's not doing well. We've talked to Ronnie Garvin before, and he's actually was telling us that he had Parkinson's and was not doing yeah. well. So hope Hoot's doing okay. And, you know, even if we don't get him on the show, hope he lives a, as long and as healthy as he can. That's that's what we yeah. like. So, And he was our claim to fame in Lebanon. You know what I mean? Everybody knew Hoot, and everybody knew he was a wrestler. And he, he protected the business just as well as anybody could so he was uh, you know I think I remember him back when I was uh, doing the beginning with Eclipso you know when oh, I started okay. running a couple of couple of Very shows cool. okay gotcha uh, you know so yeah I remember way back yeah so. that's awesome that's very cool that's very cool how about Doug Vines Doug Vines uh, great worker um, we were he was my opponent for rookie of the year ICW rookie of the year and when it got down to the voting, then I beat him for it, and that set it up for us. We had a, a running feud the whole year. Yeah, oh, and nice. a great worker, great. Yeah. I mean, he could get some heat, and and uh, he didn't. He, he made me look good too. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get Doug on a show. I know we're having a little bit of trouble tracking him down, but if anybody out there listening has contact info for Doug Vines, let me know. We'd love to have him on the podcast too. So I haven't heard where he might be. Yeah, I think he's up in Somerset, but we we can't get a phone number on him, but we'll figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) The next two on the list, I'm going to put them together since they're father and son. We've talked about Randy. Now we're going to talk about Lanny and Angelo. Mm Um. I, most of my beginning matches in ICW was was with Angelo. Okay, and uh, you know it was it was um, it was kind of a routine match, so you knew what was you know kind of what to expect out of it, and and it was it was an, an education every time. And yeah. you know he, he, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed working with him and and Lanny. Um, we we tag teamed some uh, quite a bit in ICW. Gotcha. And, okay. He always had the best stories to tell. He, he was an entertainer in the dressing room, too. <laughs> yeah. Talk about somebody that was a, an athlete, too. He was like a gymnast or something, man. He, oh, yeah. He was yeah. so just so smooth, but it was almost like an unreal kind of smooth. It was just crazy yeah. how, 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 you know. He was very limber, so he could he could do flips and everything, and and come out just shocking you how he is on his feet after a fall like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, how about the hands of stone, Ronnie Garvin? Uh, Ronnie's a great guy. <laughs> um, we we traveled a lot together, and and uh, we've actually connected after all of us had retired. Every once in a while, we'd connect. Yeah. Um, but I haven't seen him for several years, and I was even thinking about trying to get in touch with him. Um, but I I think he was one of the best money draws in the wrestling business. Yeah. Yeah, he was and, great. Uh, yeah, and great, great to talk to. Road trips were fun. <laughs> he was, he was a lot of fun. That's cool. All right, the next one on the list is my buddy and one of the shooters, one of the true shooters, and especially from that promotion, ICW. He was definitely he he can handle himself in the ring and out. Is Mister George Weingroff? I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, George, we traveled a lot together. You know, the times you got to spend on the road, you got to really know him. And um, he's just a great guy. Um, And he would he would watch the matches through his little monocle. 
that mm. he had, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. he would then he would coach you. He would he would tell you you know what looked good and what looked bad and and all that. Yeah, but just you know, just a, a, a natural of the business. Oh, yeah. Let me play you something really quick. So we had George on the podcast, Wolfie D and I from PG-13. We have a podcast called Live and in Color. All the listeners already know this, but I'm going to play you this recording. After we had George Weingroff on the show, this is what he called me and said. Hi, Jimmy. George Weingroff. Um, I see Wolfie had left me a message about doing a show on Tuesday. And that, that'd be fine with me. I was wondering if um, I talked to Ronnie Garvin and he, he'd be willing to come on there with me. So um, I want to know if that would, uh, would work for you. You guys uh, would like that. All right. Let me know. <laughs> so that's George Weingroff, and he offered up Ronnie Garvin. So he he asked, would it be okay for him to have Ronnie Garvin on with us? And I couldn't answer him yes quick enough, you know? So, <laughs> right. yeah, George was great, and George is a friend. And, and he, I tell you what, man, he, he was one of those guys that he – I couldn't believe that he went and wrestled Pancrase, the, the more shoot-style wrestling in Japan, at 41, too, you know? So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pre- pretty crazy yeah. stuff if in my book you know so yeah <laughs> i learned a lot from him he, you know he, he would watch all the matches and you know he'd critique you and uh, always you know in a good way and uh, yeah great guy yeah yeah great guy well okay so you kind of end up wrapping up with the poffos and you go to this promotion with what would be your home essentially for the next year you end up in cwa in memphis so i guess we kind of know how you got from the ghoulises to the poffos how did you make it from the poffos to memphis um well when i came back home then when i, I started making some phone calls and i don't remember exactly who i talked to but you know, like, like when I got into Mid-Atlantic, I talked to Jay Youngblood, and he yeah. talked to Dory, and he introduced us. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But out there, they had already seen my work from Nick Goulas yeah. and from, from Papa's, you know, some of the shows that they did. And gotcha. uh, so, you know, when I was available, and I think they just needed some underneath talent that they they said, come on in, and... So I had a good run there. It was, um, it was, it was, it's a gimmick territory. Right. And, you know, so that makes you start realizing that there's different characters to the whole promotion. Yeah. Not just, you know, different wrestlers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, so that was a whole new experience for me. And, yeah. Long trips, that's the only thing, but it was, I, I enjoyed it. I wouldn't that's, have traded for nothing. And yeah. it, it became my go-to promotion after I would go somewhere else for a few months or six months. And, and yeah. then I knew that I could call them and say, I'm finished down here. I went to Pensacola. And when I finished up there, yeah. I called and they said, well, come on back. We got a spot. <laughs> yeah, come you on know, back anytime. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's funny because you did go from a very, I would say, you know, I mean, ICW was very, I, what what would you call it? The promotion. They were very hungry, it seemed. Like they were, yeah. ve- they were very hungry to run and show that they were the real deal. And then you get to CWA where it's a little more, well, what's the word? They're already set. You know, they're, they're not trying mm-hmm. to build the company. They've got the company. So yeah. it, it probably went from a very work hard and press to another. Another company where you work hard and press, but it's a different 
vibe out there. And I've exactly. I've, heard, I've heard dirty white boys say this. He's like, I went from the Fullers and Continental to I went to CWA in Memphis where USWA in Memphis, buddy, that's howdy doody time out there, you know. <laughs> and <laughs> you must understand what that means because <laughs> you laughed. But yeah, but anyway, they they had the characters and they had they had their way of telling stories and, and honestly I, I Memphis is one of my current favorites of all time because I'm a mid Atlantic kid. We grew up in the mid Atlantic area, but I've, I've become an adoptee of Memphis, you know. So anyway, Jared, start us off with the first name of that. All right. Talk to us about Tojo. Oh, Tojo. <laughs> he was a character. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he, he was, um, I would say probably a, a moody kind of person. You didn't ever know how he was going to be okay react and and sometimes he would you know you could make him smile and sometimes there was no way you're gonna make him smile yeah Yeah. you know and and uh but you know you just try to work a good match with him and then you know he's okay with you yeah that's awesome yeah Yeah, we've heard some (laughs) great stories about tojo before that's awesome yeah so the next one on our list is the original midnight express with dennis condry norvell austin and randy rose talk about them um they they were great to work with um it was um where i was it was bobby eaton more with the midnight express when i was more involved with them yeah right right uh, i did get to work with them and a matter of fact i think louisiana for watts they they were down there at the same time i was yeah Uh, yeah and and, uh you know so i had opportunities for different promoters to work with the same people and you know and different promoters have different expectations yeah of course so it's a different match even though it's the same guy it's a different match yeah. i love that yeah that that yeah. to me is the absolute art of the business to me is just how how cool you can see one you see the right let's just give you an example of the rock and roll express and midnight express in mid-south or if mm-hmm. you see them in crockett or if you see them anywhere else you know it's just to me it's just so i love that and that's what i consider like i said the art of the business you know oh yeah yeah. All right. This guy's got a reputation for uh, hard hitting Gypsy Joe. Oh, you're right. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was he was a tough one to work with. Um, he you know he was solid and you know was, he, he could put you in your place too, especially a green rookie. Yeah. Um, you know, but. But overall, it was, you know, I survived the matches, so I felt like I did pretty good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's always a plus, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this, this next guy, he's considered one of the best workers and one of the best baby faces of all time, Ricky Morton. He is. He, I, I would agree with that. Um, he he can fly around, and and his his psychology is there. I, I, he had a a good a good advantage because his dad Paul Morton was a, a referee. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you know, so he he grew up with the business. Right. So it made him just be a natural. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's it's what it's all about. Is he the best so, seller of all time, Rick? I would say, if not, very close to it. Okay. Who's who's yeah. better, if you think, if there's one up there with him, who was really good? Uh, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about that. Okay. Well, uh, maybe if it comes there's up. There's some names at me. <laughs> what about Ricky Steamboat? He was great, right? 
Oh yeah. 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 Well, we'll get to Ricky in a minute. Let's just keep going with okay. some Memphis here. So the next All one, right. and I'm going to say these two names together because I may be hoping it will evoke a story. And this one is Coco Beware and Steve Kern. <laughs> hmm. Were you there the night that they got into it? Uh, I don't remember that. Okay. Um, I, um, I, knew, I knew both of them well, but yeah. I don't remember that. Gotcha. Well, there's a story that Coco kind of gave him the business a little bit and worked him over pretty good. But I love Steve Kern. I think Steve's one of my favorite people. I got to meet him and, and yeah. do an interview with him. And we've done an interview with Coco Beware as well. And both are great guys. But I have heard that Coco was not one you wanted to mess with. Let's just say that. So. Well, I never had any problems with him. I, I, sure. mean, I, I saw him at a convention not long ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so the, he, he was always a great guy to me. Gotcha. You know? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and Steve Kern, um, he was he was one I looked up to, uh, especially when I got a chance to work in Tampa. Yeah. And he yeah. was there. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm still a fan no matter, you know, even through all that, I was still a fan of, of different ones. That's awesome. Yeah, that's very yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, the next name on the list, I'm going to go ahead and say it since, you know, we brought up one of the fabulous ones. Let's bring up the other one, Stan Lane. Uh, Stan was a super nice guy and I enjoyed talking to him in the dressing room. Um, I never worked with him, but, uh, you know, just we traveled together. You know, a lot of the road trips, that's where you really get to your connection of, of knowing each other. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, so, but great guy. Great guy. Very cool. All right. How about Eric Embry? Uh, Eric, same with him. He's a good old Tennessee boy. And, and, uh, I always, I mean, he, he, when you hadn't seen him in years he, and he walks up, you know, he grabs you, hugs you and, you know, it's like you'd never been apart. <laughs> just, <laughs> that, that, just a good guy. Yeah. yeah you just worker. Yeah, open the book at a new page, right? It's no yeah. no time has passed, right? So the next one, the next one, I'm going to do a little impersonation. Uh, my name was Kamala. <laughs> Tell me about working with Kamala. I had his debut match in Memphis. Yes. At the Mid-South Coliseum. Yes. And, and uh, it, 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 was, it was light as a feather. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, he looked like he was knocking the you know what out of you, and right. and uh, but he, he was a great guy, yeah. um, you know. And it was it was an honor to have his debut match. Yeah, because they know. did that incredible lead in, and I mean, it was just awesome how they did stuff yeah. with him, you know. Yeah, and what a, what a original character too, you know. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> funny guy I've heard too, and he could actually sing really well too, just like Coco, you know. So yeah, yeah. I didn't didn't hear him sing, but yeah, he was a comic. Well, if you ever go on YouTube, just look up him singing. You'll you'll hear it if you ever need okay. to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, so 1982, you kind of up wrapping up the first time with Memphis and you actually work one show for Mid-South and then that leads you directly back home basically for you to the Mid-Atlantic for the Crockett. Yeah. So, so to me, you go down to Mid-South, was that literally just a one-time thing, no promises for anything more and then you got Mid-Atlantic? Do you remember how that happened? Um, well, I, 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 when I went to Mid-South, the, the one of the times I went went there twice. I, I'm trying to remember exactly, um, but I went in and I was there for three months. And 
I was loving it, loving the territory. The money that I was making was great. And I I asked Bill Watts, I said, I know you change your underneath talent every three months, but is there any way that I could get a three-month extension? (laughs) He said, nah, he says, you can come back sometime. He said, but that's that's stick to that. That's the stick, And, uh, you know, but but he he was great to work for. Um, and I, and I had a great time there. I got to wrestle in the Superdome and yeah, yeah that's, that, that's yeah. a major honor. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll yeah. get back to him. I want to talk about the mid Atlantic now. So, okay. all right. So obviously you've worked, you're, you're becoming a veteran now you're, you've, the green has changed color. You're actually starting yeah. <laughs> to understand the business a little more now and you're working for your home territory. And I would assume that's probably your favorite promotion since it was what growing up would that be true? Well, uh, it, would, it would be uh, the top two would be Mid Atlantic and Central States. Okay, yeah. Well, we'll get to Central yeah. States in a minute, but let's talk Mid Atlantic. I, I, I can't wait to hear about Mid Atlantic. So, okay. Um, before when I went to Watson, before I came back home, my stepfather was was he was uh, sick with cancer, so I come back home to help out a little bit. And I was going to the matches and I bumped into Jay Youngblood. And, you know, so we kind of got a connection going there. And so he was the one that talked to Dory about me starting there. Gotcha. Um, okay. And so that's how I got into Mid Atlantic. Very cool. So, how were the Crockets? We always like to ask this question because obviously we love Mid Atlantic. How were they working for them? It was, it was awesome, totally. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And you know, and then I mean, I was I was the, the most thrilled person you'd ever imagine because I was working for my dream territory, and I got to wrestle in my home civic center and things like that. I was wrestling with the people that I grew up with. Yeah. And you know, couldn't have been any better. Salem Civic Center. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's wild to think about. You come home and you work in the in the home civic center. That's so awesome. Yeah. You know, I can't imagine, you know, Lebanon didn't have a civic center, but when it comes down to it, getting to work in your hometown, I, I would assume a lot of your people came out to see you. Oh, yeah. 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 Family and friends. (laughs) Hey, this Rick McCord guy's getting over, guys. We got to put him up the card a little bit. (laughs) Listen to that. (laughs) I'm sure they had the story, though. So one of the first matches you worked there was with one of my favorite guys, and especially I'm not sure if his manager was with him at this time. I know that this was kind of a big combo, but was the great Kabuki with and was Gary Hart with him at this point? Uh, Yes, he was. Okay. Um, yeah, and uh, that was that was very interesting, you know. Um, but it was a great match. I I loved it, and um, it was different. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. do you do you have anything you could say about Gary at all? Did you know him at all very well? Well, being in the other dressing room, I didn't get to really gotcha. know him, but, yeah. but you know, yeah. just just in the the passing, and um, you know. But he was he was good to work with, you know, him being a manager and everything, and yeah, um, you know, so it was good. That was my guy. The the listeners are tired of hearing this, but when I got in the business, that was the guy I ripped off the most, probably. So <laughs> it was just funny because when he would say stuff like "Let me tell you something, baby," you know, I couldn't really get that across in the two thousands as well as it sounded in the eighties, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, he was he had he had the the rap that uh, oh he did. So many that got later. 
Yeah, he was great. Yeah. yeah. All right. How about Dory Funk Jr.? Uh, Dory was the booker when Jay um, introduced me and, you know, helped me get started with Mid-Atlantic. So I, I got to work with Dory several times and great, great to work with. You know, um, you got to imagine here you're wrestling someone that was a world champion mm. that you know, you're you're just there and you're just ready to listen to whatever they got to say and and you know just try to do the best you can with with a great person. Yeah, I got to meet Dory later on on a Mike Porter show, and wow, just <laughs> he was still working then, and just yeah. such a great guy, and so he had everybody listening to him. You know, it was like funny because most people are usually talking in the locker room, but everybody was hunkered around Dory. And the, you know, the cool thing was is they had him set up in a different room there at the building, but he actually was in there with us talking to us. It was incredible. Okay. So <laughs> Dory was a great great guy for sure i was lucky yeah. to be on that show so the next one on the list and he became much more famous later when he worked with vince and he had a reptile wrapped around him but at this point he's getting pretty good at this game of wrestling here mr jake the snake roberts the snake. yeah <laughs> uh, when i talk about him i tell people that i wrestled him at the right era it was yeah. before damien yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know if I could have laid it there and had a snake laid on me. <laughs> no, I don't think I could either. You know, but but hey, who knows? Maybe if you're in the moment, you could do it. But I don't know. I'm yeah. I'm glad you said yeah. that too, Rick, because I don't think I could. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right. How about Gene Anderson? Um, I watched Gene growing up, and um, I always um, I, I worked with him a few times. And, um, he was, you know, just, he was solid, um, you know, and we, we had good matches and all I had to do is listen. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I learned that early on too, so, you know, and it, and it helped a lot because I'm, I'm learning. So, you know, I, I didn't try to be arrogant or aggressive with myself you know, it was, I was taking it all in. Yeah, that's awesome. How about the one man gang? Uh, hands of stone. Um, I've talked to Ronnie ever so often, and uh, you know we were together in in Tennessee and a little bit, and then in Knoxville, and then uh, when Papa's had ICW, he come up there. So we've kept in touch through the years, and he's become a great friend. Yeah. Now this is cool because you know there was an Crusher Broomfield took over the one man gang name, but yeah. at this point the one man gang was Ronnie Garvin, and that's why I wanted him to come up. You know because so many people think of Crusher Broomfield as the one man gang. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was yeah. cool. I'm glad you. I wrestled Crusher on his debut match in ICW too. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so he was a good guy. How was he as a big? How was he as a big guy like wrestling? Yeah. You just have to develop, um, you know, you, you stay away from him, play cat and mouse. You know, that's oh, yeah. kind of where the matches are. And then once he got you, he's going to eat you alive. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about the next one here? Greg Valentine. Um, I worked with him a few times in mid-Atlantic with Crockett. And uh, he's when I'd pass him in the dressing room or whatever, he's always a nice guy. And, uh, but he was solid and very solid but in a good way too yeah i mean he he had it he had it in his blood i guess from his dad and everything so yeah 
How about Johnny Weaver? Uh, Johnny Weaver, um, before we got into the actual business, he would talk to me in the Calypso and, and uh, you know, give us some pointers and everything. And, um, he was as he was getting away from mid Atlantic and retired, becoming retired and everything. Uh, I think he did a few shows for Calypso, um, but I had already started my pursuit where I was headed. Yeah, but Johnny's a great guy. Boy. The Weaver Lock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't know it was the sleeper hold. I always thought it was called the Weaver Lock. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> what about one of the greatest brother tag teams of all time? And I don't mean the Andersons. I'm talking about the Briscoes. Uh, the, the, I got to work with them on TV. And uh, I saw Jerry and Waterloo um, back in the back in the summer. Yeah. Um, I go out there every year for the uh, convention. Yeah. And uh, he, Jerry, uh, Jerry had an issue. They had to take him to the hospital, but he was okay the next day and come back to the convention. Um, um, got to wrestle with Jack and Jerry in a match on TV one time, and it was a great honor. That's and, awesome. You know, for Crockett. Yeah, I've heard that Jack Briscoe had that tensile strength in his hand where he could really put a hurting on you. He was really strong and very, yeah. very un- unsuspectingly strong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I never had to feel that, but yeah, you, know, yeah. you could just tell. And yeah, well, that's good. Definitely a shooter. Yeah. yeah, definitely a shooter, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I've, I've heard people say that, you know, if he needed you somewhere and you weren't there, he could move you there and make it look natural. Let's just say that. Right. <laughs> but apparently you're at this point now, you're not needing that, thankfully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Well, the next is another great tag team, and you brought them up, and and we can just go quickly with this one if you want, but we can talk as much as you like. But I I personally think if this tag team could have stayed together had it not been for other circumstances, they would be probably considered one of the greatest tag teams of all time, and that's Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I see, uh, Jay was the one that I had become friends with, you know, at, at, down at the trip by the dressing room door. Um, even though I'd been in the business elsewhere, you know, I didn't go backstage. Yeah. And, uh, so Jay was instrumental in getting me connected to Dory. And yeah. Dory was, was booking then. So that's how I got into Mid Atlantic. And, uh, they were just an awesome team. I mean, I wish I had. It moved as as fly, uh, as high and as fast as Ricky did. Yeah, uh, had one of the best arm drags of anybody. And a drop kick, and you know, it's yeah. funny. It's just so funny. I almost think the one person that I think was almost comparable to Ricky was Brad Armstrong. What did you think? Uh, he had, yeah, he would be a close second. Um, Brad was, he was lightweight, so he had that ability, and he yeah. still looked good. He he didn't look. Like right, non-muscled or whatever, and 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 that makes a difference. Oh, it does. It does. Yeah, he looked like a million bucks, but you know, Ricky did too. Ricky just—I mean, I've heard that the women loved these two guys. You could just, yeah. you know, <laughs> it was it was they—they yeah. they did not have any trouble with the ladies. Let's just say that. So, no. <laughs> All right. How about Dick Slater? I worked with Dick a couple of times. Um, 
he he was always kind of quiet in the dressing room. He he was in his clique uh, most of the time. Gotcha. Uh, so we didn't get to talk a whole lot. I worked yeah. with him a couple of times. That's right. It's the talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, Booty Call and Athena, go to LostWrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah. Hey, 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 it's the Heat Boss of Scotty Blaze. Now I'm inviting all of y'all to join me on my brand new podcast, Turning Up the Heat with the Heat Miser Scotty Blaze. So what are you waiting for? Come on over and join me. I'll be covering all the events of the day, global, national, pop culture, movies, gaming, whatever sounds interesting, but I'll also be playing some awesome skating shuffle music from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, anything that has a good beat, I'm going to be playing it, you can rest assured. Come on over, T-U-T-H-Radio.com. The podcast is on every major podcast platform. See you then. The next one, you know, shares your first name, possibly the greatest heavyweight champion of all time, definitely has the most runs, 16, 17, 21, however many you want to count. He's my personal <laughs> more favorite. Yeah, more to You think? Maybe. <laughs> He's not over yet, right? Exactly. Right. That's so funny. But the one and only Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Well, I never got to work with him, but it was one time it was so close, and it was at the Greensboro Coliseum. Yeah. Uh, no, it was on TV, uh, Charlotte TV. And I was, I'm, I'm going to get this right in a minute. It was Memphis okay. TV. Okay. And I was scheduled to wrestle him on TV. And Jerry Lawler come out and started mouthing off at him. And just, so they were back and forth. And uh, Jerry says, Rick McCord, you probably just ought to go ahead and go back to the dressing room. I'm going to take your spot. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, man. <laughs> that close to working with Rick. Oh, man. That's crazy. And, uh, yeah. And I, I, I always dreamed of doing it, you know, but yeah, you know, that, that I was, I was in the show with him. So that was, that was good enough. <laughs> yeah. That was important for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, was he every, I mean, just from your perspective, you know, being the wrestler that you are and were, was he all that, I mean, he was the real deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 In That's and what... out of the ring, he, he <laughs> could. His charisma followed him through his car at the end of the night at the Coliseum. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then then he was still on stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he was one of those first heels that was actually starting to get fans of him. I know there's been others before that, but but he, he seemed to be one of the first ones. Like, because just for example, you know, we had older cousins growing up that loved Ric Flair. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It seemed like the teenage guys started to really get into Ric Flair and be become fans of him, even though he was doing everything he could be to do it be a heel you know so well he was a, a great entertainer in every aspect of the business yeah yeah you know, from interviews to uh, just his presence 
Yeah. You know, he, he commanded the presence wherever he walked. Well, let me ask you this then. So a lot of guys, you know, it seems here recently, some of the guys like to take him as a routine guy. They basically say that he wrestles the same match every night. Now, I've heard him tell the story. The reason he does that is because he was younger and loved Ray Stevens. And he went to a Ray Stevens match and Ray didn't do the flip over the top rope and outside to the ring. And he asked Ray later on, why didn't you do that? And Ray said, well, kid, I don't do the same thing every night. Well, Rick thought to himself and said, well, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to keep my things going. You know, what what were your thoughts Mm -hmm. on the way he wrestled as far as doing a lot of the same spots? Um, Well, me studying the business, you know, I I could look at it a little bit different and uh, understand it. And, you know, there there was enough. It it was his opponent that made the differences. And he could do the same thing, you know, and everybody's going to scream and holler anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know, just just because it's Ric Flair. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I I, I, I wish I'd had the chance to really work with him just to, to know, you know, physically yeah yeah you know because everybody worked with him loved it right right of course yeah um and you know it's it's you're out there to put a show on and and you know you don't want to do i'd see some guys do the same thing over and over and you can call their next move right well you could call the next part of rick's moves Right, possibly because you knew where he was going, but he would still have so much more of the match that it was had differences. Gotcha. Okay, that's good. I like that. That's the best. That's the best way I've ever heard it said. I I definitely appreciate that. Yeah. How about the assassins? Um, I I got to work with them. That was in Carolina, and uh, Jody. Um, you know, I'd see him without the mask, and you know, we talked back in the dressing room and and he was kind of a natural uh coach you know and but nice guy too um yeah trying to remember um was it tom was it tom renesto as the other assassin yeah i I worked for tom renesto when he was the booker for nick goulas okay gotcha so So you knew him. so i didn't Yeah. yeah but i'm trying to remember who was the other assassin that that came in at that time. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Ray, um, he, he was a bodybuilder. Oh, Ray Hernandez. Was Ray that Hernandez. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Hercules. Yeah. Hercules. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we worked matches. I, I worked a couple of tags with that. Don Cronodal's brother, Keith Larson. Yeah. He and yeah. I were the main tag team in Mid-Atlantic. That's and awesome. So we got to work with a lot of the, the big top uh, heels. Yeah, and they were the real deal too. You know, we we got to see Jody wrestle on a spot show in in the eighties in Council, Virginia, as the assassin, and he was great then. Even though he was a little older, he could still rule the crowd. You know what I mean? So yeah, I would always watch him. He would when he get the one, two, three count. He would he would kind of flip his hand in such a way, like done. Yeah, it's done. After a match. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. Well, the next name on the list it can't be not said because this guy is a he's a, practically a neighbor of you, and he's also one of the most legendary names, not only for Memphis but also the Mid Atlantic. And whether you want to call him handsome or a boogie woogie man, it's Jimmy Valiant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's not far from me. It's no uh, Shawsville, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, 
As a matter of fact, um, I picked him up and took him out to Nashville for um, the Ric Flair's retirement match. <laughs> um, How was, was that? Uh, <laughs> well, <clears throat> I didn't get to see the match because Jimmy wanted to go, and, yeah. and I watched just a little bit of the start of it. Yeah. And and I, I knew when it was time for me to hang up the tights. And you know, Flair has got the mic skills still, but right. I, I don't think he quite had the physical part. And that's totally yeah. understandable. Of course, you know, I, yeah. I couldn't get in the ring and do what I used to do now either. Right. But right. Uh, but it was a great show. I got to see Jerry Jarrett before he passed, and um, you know, he was a promoter I worked for when I was with you know working when Lawler was there out of Memphis. So, you know, it was it was a great little convention they had. I would I love to, to hear. It. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. Because Conrad and them, they to know that they run that and did that. It was a massive event just based around the, the idea mm-hmm. of Ric Flair in his last match. And we still don't really know if that was truly his last match or not. You know, <laughs> Everybody says that, yeah. <laughs> including me. <laughs> so I'm just going to be nosy and obviously omit what you want to. But I would love to hear what a car ride with Jimmy Valiant is like. Oh, well, it was always, always entertaining, you know, and talk about the business, of course. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, and, and he snoozed a little bit, and yeah. but it, it was it was a great trip. Um, you know, we just talked about different territories and things we encountered and got to do and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but great guy. Uh, I love him to death. He's, he's one of a kind. Yeah, definitely one of a kind. There's nobody like him, brother. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How about Roddy Piper? Uh, Roddy, um, when I was working for Crockett, he, you know, sometimes when you was just the underneath talent, uh, the main eventers stuck together. Mm -hmm. And he would come in and he'd say, I mean, he'd come over and sit down beside me and start talking to me. And I, I felt honored. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was great to be able to, to speak to him personally. And then, um, I, well, no, that was um, somebody else. I, I've I got a limo service now that um, I've been doing for 26 years. And I've driven, I drive Vince whenever he would come to town. And wow. Drove Michael Hayes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and just different ones like that. So I got to relive every once in a while. I get to relive it whenever they call us to pick up somebody. Yeah, that's awesome. Just, that's just awesome. like I picked up Ricky. Um, yeah. yeah, about a month ago, he was going to do a podcast. I think. Oh, okay. And, well. and, and uh, he was going down for um, a, a match in Charlotte. He was a guest, a special guest referee. Gotcha. And they okay. came back to run up that night. So. Gotcha. That's very cool. Well, next yeah. time you, he gets in your, you, you drive him to where I am so we can do a podcast with him too. I'm kidding. <laughs> he would be like, what are you dropping me off at a house for? <laughs> I was paid a lot of money, Ricky. I know it's weird, but trust me. Anyway, yeah. you know, to me, Roddy was timeless. You know what I mean? He's definitely, yeah. he's on my Mount Rushmore of pro wrestlers. To me, Roddy was such an original and I think I think that's one thing that may be missing from the current crop of wrestlers is all these guys that we've brought up. And I'm not trying to say the good old days. I mean, the name of the podcast is Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. I think you understand that because that can mean something different to everyone. But the Mm -hmm. idea of 
originality is part of that. And I think you yeah. talk about all these guys that we've brought up and they're all originals. And, you know, that's one thing that I hope someone is able to teach to the current crop is be yeah. original, be real, yeah. be original. And I think originality is something that Roddy Piper really drive on. I mean, he really was a true original. Do you, I mean, the, the, when he protected Gordon solely, that was incredible. When he, when he did amateur wrestling with Ric Flair in the ring, that was incredible on Mid-Atlantic. You know, I just think of his run in Mid-Atlantic and folks, if you haven't watched that, I know you understand he was the bad guy for WWF for decades, but go watch him in Mid-Atlantic and you will not be let down. That was incredible stuff, you know? Yeah. So. One of the things I was honored about, and and even in Central States, uh, he come out for a shot, but he he come over and sat down beside me on the bench in the locker room, yeah, and just started carrying on a conversation. You know, he he was just a genuine person. That's that's the truth right there. I think, and yeah. that was I had a chance to meet him. It didn't end up happening. I was let down by that, but it's not anybody else's fault but mine. And just a true, true, original, genuine person. So the next Absolutely. tag team, uh, talking about originals, <laughs> this tag team, <laughs> these guys I, at this point in time probably let's just say we're pretty stiff, I would imagine, because they were probably very green at this point. But Animal and Hawk, the Road Warriors. Ooh. They were they were tough. Yeah, you you did what they wanted. You didn't do what your idea was. <laughs> uh, they oh put you in the place real quick. Yeah, um, but you know, out of the ring, they were were nice. They didn't, you know, we didn't sit around and have, have any conversations or anything. But sure, um, it it was an experience to get to work with them, and I survived. So. That was the main thing. <laughs> yeah, you're still here to talk about it, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This guy is uh, truly one of the all-time greats, and unfortunately, just not enough people, uh, the current fans, I think, probably really remember him, but Ivan Koloff. Um, Ivan was um, – that worked with him in the Carolinas, yeah. and and he was great to work with, and, you know, we'd, we'd sit and, and backstage and – Chat everyone now and then. Uh, Kirk Harrell, who was uh, Boris Zukov. Yeah, Boris Zukov. Uh, That's it. Yeah. Uh, he's, I think he's, I can't say that he's here in Roanoke. I'd, uh, I haven't talked to anybody that's actually heard, heard, heard him say. Yeah, that's but, where he is. Yeah, that's where he is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and he looks a lot different, too. <laughs> he does, man. He lost a lot. His head's still the same size, but he's... No, I'm just picking yeah. on you, Boris. But <laughs> I just interviewed Boris on the Wolfie D podcast, actually. So I'm getting a good Virginia base right now. I've got two shows with two Virginia guys. I love it. So <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah. Boris did a lot of Ivan's... I think that was his gimmick. Like, kind of... Not that he ripped Ivan off, but when he did his thing like this brother, he took like... He did more Ivan and, and not, you know... He, and that's, that's awesome. He did the gimmick well yeah he did he, he, yeah he adapted he it very well yeah and uh um but you know just um that was some of the guys um alec ivan and uh johnny weaver and different ones that i watched growing up yeah. that was was such an honor yeah. to be backstage with them and and could walk up to them and carry on a conversation you know and not you know they didn't, you know, like a fan, you know, they'll sign the autograph and chat a second and then go. Yeah. And, you know, so it was, it was a wonderful experience. 
That's awesome. Well, you wrap up 83 in mid-Atlantic time, and then you actually start going out a little more, and you actually wind up in early part of 84 with Southeastern for the Fullers. So obviously you've made your name now. You're, you're known as a good hand. What led you to the Fullers? What led you away from mid-Atlantic and your home to go to the Fullers? Well, I always wanted to go to Tampa. And yeah. then yeah. I met a couple of people and a lot of times that's how it happens is you meet somebody that you've crossed paths with and they can speak for you sure. to, to get you the, the introduction. Gotcha. And so that's, um, I was in, I think it was in Tennessee at that point and with Lawler. And so then I, I went down, um, to Pensacola and had a, a good little run, um, you know, and, and it was, it was like one of the territories that you'd run three to six months. And yeah. if you made main event, you'd stay. If you didn't, you'd, you know, you'd gain more experience and go to the next territory. Yeah. And I'm going to bring some names up here and we're going to just do these kind of quickly here, but obviously you work guys like Bill Eady as the superstar there. And, and, yeah. you know, you talked about Boris, Kirk, private Jim yeah. Nelson, whatever you want to call. I learned <laughs> that he took his last name from Art Nelson. I never knew that, but that was cool. Yeah. And right. uh, then, yeah, then of course, you know, uh, Wayne Ferris, AKA the honky tonk man or blonde bomber or whatever you want to call him. But you, you worked some great names there that wound up doing some great things, you know, in yep. that territory. Talk about maybe some of your experiences with some of those guys. I know we talked about Boris a little bit, but maybe Bill Eady or Wayne. Um, I, I'm mostly, um, I, I only worked with him a couple of times, but, um, you know, it's, if you're in connecting dressing rooms or a single dressing room, you know, you get a chance to learn and know somebody, um, a little more from just in the ring. And so that's where it happened with some of those, with Bill Eady. Uh, yeah. when I go to a reunion, um, he always comes over and says hi, if I don't get to him first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So very respectful guy. I like him. Everybody I've ever met that knows Bill Eady says he is just a great man. So, you know, yes. yeah. Now, okay, so at the very, you know, you kind of wrap up in Southeastern, like you said, you did your three or six months there, but then you end up coming back to your second home in Memphis. At this time, you've you've worked, you know, you've worked in Goulas territory, you've worked for ICW for the Pafos, you worked in Memphis you worked in, like you said, a little bit in Mid-South. You worked in Mid-Atlantic at your home. You worked in Southeastern for the Fullers. Now you come back to Memphis. So it's a little bit of what you would almost call like a full circle a little bit. How yeah. how were the differences in the territories? What, what did you notice at that time? And you're like, okay, maybe I can come back to Memphis. I know these guys. T- talk a little bit about that. Um Memphis became the the territory that I would go back to in between. Um, like I went to Arizona and I went to Texas. Yeah. Uh, Texas, I, uh, I stayed there for about a year. But Memphis was the territory you could come back to and keep working because they would say, yeah, come on back. We got a spot. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, you know, I, I was already established, so I didn't have to prove myself. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but then I would be talking, networking or something, and another opportunity would come up. And so then I'd go pursue it. Yeah. And when that was over, I'd, I'd call back, and, and Bill Dundee was the booker at that time, and I'd say, hey, Bill, I'm free now. He says, come on in, kid. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, so that, it was pretty good like that. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Tell us about the Barbarian. Um, super nice guy. Um, a, um, 
I've, I've seen him on a few reunions and, uh, you know, we, we get to talk some and, um, he was great to work with. Uh, I've got a picture that I showed somebody just a couple of days ago. He's pressing me overhead, and <laughs> it, it, you know, for a slam. Yeah. And I, the look on my face, yeah, you can tell it's a long way down. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard he just had ridiculous amount of strength too. He was just oh, one yeah. of those. Uh, was, I think Kamala called it animal strength. He was just that yeah. strong, you know. And yeah. Yeah. To me, I I love the Barbarian because Jared and I, we grew up Rock and Roll Express fans, but then obviously we also love the Road Warriors. And then there yeah. were all these tag teams that kind of took off of a little bit of the Road Warriors. You had obviously Bill Eadie, Barry Dorso with Demolition, but with Barbarian... He kind of had that look too, you know. I know there he did some stuff with T. Joe Khan and other guys, but when he had the powers of pain with Warlord, and we'll get to him in a minute. But Barbarian to me just was he, even though they did the Road Warrior thing, he still had his own originality about him. You yeah, know? he did. Yeah, yeah, pretty nice guy too, and you're glad that he's a nice guy. I've heard so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If he, was, if he was not nice, it would be trouble. So, <laughs> so the next name on the list, this guy is another true original and another just Memphis guy that just was original all down to his core was Brickhouse Brown. Yeah. Um, I think we made a couple of road trips together. And of course, he was in my same dressing room. So, you know, we got a chance to chit chat back and forth. But that I have seen him at the Califier Alley Club. Um, he was at one of them not long ago and, um, it's been a little while, but anyway, um, we always had a, had a good time and I think we may have tagged a couple of times. Yeah. 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 I think we did. Yeah. Okay. So the next guy, I want to say this, there was few guys that actually scared me as a kid and scared me to see them, scared me to be even them on TV. <laughs> and this guy right here was one of those guys that legitimately scared me. And and honestly, I, I thought he was one of the great true originals of this business, like we say so much here, but Ox Baker. Yeah. Um, he come in for Papos. Yeah. And that's, that's where I met him. Okay. Um, and I don't... I, I didn't actually work with him. We did Battle Royals. Okay, gotcha. That's I think I guess that's what it I'd is. Yeah. That, yeah. That was the main thing. Yeah, that's cool. All right. How about uh, Jim Neidhart? Um, I worked with him in Tennessee. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he was a big, solid guy. I wasn't going to move him. That <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's so funny. We learn so much now as we're older, how many guys were sent to Memphis to get seasoning. It's crazy to think about, but you know, some, somebody like a Jim Neidhart or a Scott Steiner or all these names yeah. that would get sent to Memphis to work, to get their seasoning about them. And oh, to yeah. me, I think that tells you a lot about what Memphis offered to the business. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you, you learned how to work there instead yeah. of being, being the monster. Right, right. You once you learn how to work, you can be the monster. But before that, the monster being a monster is probably dangerous. I would assume. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the next guy I think is probably arguably one of the greatest minds in the business. He also left us early, unfortunately, uh, had a heart attack and passed away. But I would love we talk about this all the time. But I would love to know what he would be doing today had he lived, and that is hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, his dad, Tommy, I worked with him several right. times. 
Yeah. And then I was on the cards with, with Eddie, um, a lot of times. And, yeah. uh, he was a very nice guy. Um, everybody liked him. He was a great worker. I, I didn't ever work a match with him, yeah. but, uh, but he was, he was great. I think a lot of these names are coming from those battle Royals that you worked with them and stuff. So I would imagine yeah. it's like, you didn't really get a taste of what they were because battle Royal doesn't really let you know them as a worker that well, but yeah, right. the next one we got to go. And I think Eddie took a lot from this guy. We've talked about him a little bit, but there's no Memphis without Jerry, the King Lawler. <laughs> um, absolutely. That's, uh, that's what Memphis is. Yeah. Next Elvis and Jerry. <laughs> I mean, you had Sputnik Monroe, you had Jackie Fargo, but honestly, when it comes down to it, anybody that says Memphis wrestling, they think Jerry the King Lawler, obviously. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was definitely over. Yeah, big, big, yeah. big time. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I I got a chance to be in there that that you know they were still growing and and it was and I was trying to grow so there were some great times and and I appreciated it, having a spot that I could call when I, when my tour would end and I could say I'm I'm free yeah they just say come on in that's awesome yeah <laughs> yeah how about Rick Rude um and I had a couple of matches with him and and he was nice to talk to in the dressing room but I don't know a lot about him you know but um he was he was a good, I thought he was a good worker yeah, yeah. One of the body guys that was a real deal body guy, but also seemed to think, yeah, he seemed to look like he didn't let his muscles get in the way of being able to work a little bit. You know what I mean? So uh -huh. I know a lot of the body guys were, you know, they couldn't walk and chew bubble gum, but when it comes down <laughs> to it, you know. <laughs> and that's the ones you, you watch out for. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, you, you do work you do work Memphis, obviously, and then at the very end of eighty four, you meet leave Memphis after your run there and you actually end up down in mid South Louisiana with Bill Watts again. So I uh -huh. guess we've heard all these stories, but how was the travel in in that territory versus the other territories you um very long road trips mm -hmm. there was probably the longest of any territory that i worked yeah um yeah. and i i made I, I was there for the three months and i made in three months what i would make in 10 or 12 months in some other places that's awesome so, yeah so it was you know that was a good feeling yeah um yeah you know if I'd have got three more months, though, I'd have doubled everything. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what was the best territory to travel in, in your opinion? Um, well, Pensacola was always good. Uh, they were short trips. You was home every night. Yeah. Uh, that was one thing that the Fullers always liked about it. And, um, but the, um, I don't know, just all of them had a long trip here and there. Sure. Um, sure. Carolina did, um, even Florida. But, um, you know, it's, it's the time you spent on the road was still just, you know, it was so awesome. Anyway, you, you didn't think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. Before I've never I, dreaded a trip. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Because <laughs> the car trips are where you get to know guys too. You know what I mean? And yeah. That's kind of the way, the way I like to do this podcast is just think of me and Jared. I'm driving. Jared's in the back seat. You're riding shotgun and we're just bugging you with a bunch of questions right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so, enjoying this. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, so the very first name for the Mid-South with Bill Watts name game is Barry Dorso. Yeah. 
Um, he was was he actually Smash? He was Smash. Yeah, Smash. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He, he was a nice guy. That's cool. Very yeah. nice. Now, this next name I'm going to bring up is someone we want on the podcast. And I know he does his own podcast with some fishing and stuff. And, you know, I think you actually just saw him. And, you know, maybe if you can put in a good word for us, we'll uh, get him on the show, too, as Mr. Pat Rose. Okay. I hadn't seen him in a while, uh, but yeah. I've seen him at conventions. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely would do that um, if I get a chance to see him. Um, I'll be going to the... Um, I'm trying to think. I'm planning to go to Winston at the end of the month. Oh, okay. Wrestlecade. Uh, yeah. Wrestlecade. Yeah. And then um, I, I know I'll go to Waterloo. You know, so some of these places, you know, you, you just run into them. You don't know they're coming. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's like more than just a reunion. Yeah. And it's friendships. Well, I'm mostly ribbing you. Don't go out of your way, but we appreciate any kind word you have for anybody about us. I appreciate it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Jared, and this guy, uh, Jimmy mentioned earlier about people kind of frightening him, you know, see the look of him when he was a kid and everything like that. This guy's definitely up there for me, the missing link. Uh, Dewey, uh, Dewey Roberts. I knew him down in, uh, in Mobile. Okay. Territory okay. down there. I knew yeah. of him, but I, I worked with him there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so he's, I, I can't say a lot because, you know, some, sometimes the heels were in the other locker room. They, yeah. They, yeah. And, and even away from the business that, that was like that. You got to um, keep it that way. Kayfabe is real, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that understands, you know, George Weingroff told a great story about him being, he lived in a nudist colony, apparently missing link did. And George and his wife at the time went to visit them. And apparently, you know, it was pretty interesting to go have a dinner there. And of course I think they wore clothes <laughs> while they were there because they wanted to respect George's wife. But you know, when it comes down to it, <laughs> that's pretty wild <laughs> stuff. To live yeah. I hadn't heard that story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty crazy one now. Yeah. So what about our cousin from across the way? He just recently passed away, but he's got to be some kind of distant cousin because we share the last name in Adrian Street. Um, Adrian, he was in Pensacola where we actually got to meet. And, and I, I worked several matches with him. And you could tell he was a shooter because some of his moves could be um, not exactly stiff, but surprising. Snug. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And, you know, he, he could get a, a quick little chop in on you before you realized it. Yeah. But the yeah. well, he's, you know, he was always nice to talk to and, and, uh, I enjoyed working with him. Yeah, to grow up in the coal mining territories of Wales, I think is where he's originally from, and then in England and worked that territory. And then at the same time, he's also wearing that gimmick. You know what I mean? A very effeminate, flamboyant character. You got to be pretty yeah. tough in the South, oh, yeah. especially, you know? So, yeah. And he was tough. Yeah, double tough is what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just love that he's a street. I asked him about coming on the podcast and he was very polite, but he also had a price that was not in the budget. Let's just say that yeah. anywhere, anywhere <laughs> near the budget actually. So, yeah. but I got to respect that. He's a businessman. We respect that for sure. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. How about Jim Cornette and the midnight express? 
uh, Jim, uh, when he was uh, the photographer for Nick Gullis, um, I would ride in the car with him and his mom and Christine Jarrett to wow. one of the shows. Hmm. And and that was always interesting. Yeah, I bet. And, uh, and, and Jimmy was full of himself there, too. He was, he was on stage. <laughs> yeah, that is a weird, that's an interesting car ride. I don't think I've ever heard of it. So him and his mom, <laughs> so his, the mama cornet was real, obviously. We knew that, but yeah. that's funny. And then you've got Miss Jarrett and then, of course, yourself. That's a that's a crew yeah. right there. I can't, yeah. I can't imagine that was interesting. It, it kind of happened, you know, just you're talking to somebody, you need a ride. And, yeah. and they say, well, we've got open space. Come on with us and yeah that happened yeah that's awesome it yeah was interesting <laughs> yeah yeah well okay so again we're still in 84 and you're actually working your butt off i think you've worked in four territories as of now and you actually end up getting down to florida and you're working for eddie graham what got yeah. you down there uh, i always wanted to go there and i was just um I got a chance to to go in for a show, and part of it, you know, people speaking for you. Uh, Steamboat would always put in a good word for me, and Jay Youngblood, for uh, a couple of them would do. But uh, I got the chance to see Michael Hayes was booking, and um, that was when I, I got down there, and they they said they liked my work, and they'd like for me to. How would I like to come in and settle down? And I thought, oh wow, this is going to be great. Yeah. And then, yeah. then it was a few weeks later that Eddie, uh, Eddie passed. Yeah. And Michael Hayes took over the book, and so he had his his own friends that he had in mind. So it kind yeah. of knocked that out of the water. Gotcha. Okay. So but, how was that? I mean, that was crazy. It's a legendary story. Yeah. But I mean, um, was Eddie just not in a good way at that time? Um. I, I don't know what I guessed and hearing people talk is he had um, done some, you know, betting on a game oh. and, and I don't know if this is true. So I'm not spreading a rumor, but it was something about something that was in the bet was, was going to be traumatic to give up. Gotcha. And uh, that's, I mean, that's what I heard, but I'd never heard the official story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty wild. Yeah, you know, everybody talking tough, and you, I'll just put this up, and you put that up, and you know, right. I think that's that's kind of what where that story was. Yeah, it's such a crazy time and such a legendary name in the business as far as so many guys give him props for their career, you know? So, yeah. yeah. But, you know, and you then you end up still, it's still 84, but at the very end, you actually end up working for Texas All-Star for Joe Blanchard. And you actually got to work probably what some people consider the, one of the greatest of all times. And he was very young and very early on in his career at this time, Shawn Michaels. Yeah, that's where he, uh, where I first met him. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was a great territory. And and uh, uh, let's see, Buck Robley was the booker, yeah. and uh, so then you know everything was was going really great there. Um, uh, they um, put the junior title on me, and you know, so it was it was really good. Um, then you know, and I, I got to go across the border and wrestle in Mexico a couple of shots. Oh wow! How was that? That, uh, that was good. Yeah. And they also sent me to um, 
there Phoenix uh, was Mesa, Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, to do a couple of shots out there. Gotcha. Okay. So, you know, I got to travel with that, and then I even went up and worked for uh, Von Eriks on yeah. a couple of shows. Yeah, it was good. I've heard that San Antonio has some incredible food down there. D- did you get a chance oh, to eat yeah. some of the great yeah, food? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Down on the river walk. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Talk to us a little bit about uh, going to world class. You mentioned it there. Talk to us a little bit about going to world class in '85. I was um, working for Watts the first time I went over, and they sent me over for a few shots, and uh, so that's that's how I got connected in there, and then. Um, a couple other times I went in, then I, when I went in San Antonio, uh, Buck sent me up there, uh, to do a couple of TV tapings, you know, so I, I would go in and, and still just kind of keep in contact. And then of course I would see some of the brothers at different territories. Yeah. Yeah. They're making a movie about it. I, I told Cassidy Riley, you know, a friend of the show, former guest Cassidy Riley, he's in that movie, The Iron Claw. And I, I said, are you playing Rick McCord? Because <laughs> he, he's a blonde guy. And I thought maybe he was playing Rick McCord, but he's not playing a name guy. But anyway, we're going to have him on the show to talk about that in the future. But I'm excited to cool. see that movie. I always thought that story of the Von Erichs would be an incredible movie, you know. It's, it's very unique. And- it is. You know, to, to get the work for him, it was, you know, it was just, I mean, it makes you smile. Has, has, had David passed at that point yet? I don't, I can't remember. Not when, when I was first okay. there. Yeah. What year did he pass? 84. 84. So actually he had just passed, it looks like. But, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, the, I'm sure that that hurt them, but how was Fritz to, to deal with? Was he pretty... He, I didn't see him too much, but he was, um, you know, from what I did, he was a uh, nice guy. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. And again, just the consistency of work that you've had, how would you compare the world-class Texas wrestling to other territories? What would you say would be some of the similarities to others? Um, well, a little bit of it was kind of like ICW. It was a family. Yeah, but okay. But they were so, so well-established that yeah. they had all the extras uh, more so than the Papos did. And the Papos was building that. Right. To, right. As you know, as they went along, but, but you know, world-class just had a, a reputation of its own of being great. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I see, um, um, what's his name? The referee, um, mine's drawn a blank. <laughs> James. James Beard. Is that yeah. 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 I see, I see him at all the conventions. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and you know he he took a liking to me, and you know he would coach me on certain things, and you ought to do this, and, and you know, and I respect him for that too, because um, you know he's he just a good guy. Yeah. Uh, so we've become become good friends, and that's awesome. You know, the yeah. cool thing is, I think he gets to play himself in the movie, which is awesome yeah, to me. Yeah, I you saw know. that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy for that. Well, so you brought this territory up early on when we asked you some of your favorite territories, because in 1986, you actually end up making it to Kansas City to work for Bob Geigel for Central States. Yeah. I guess, talk about what led you from Texas to Kansas City. How did you make it there? Um, well, I heard good things about it, and I had met Bob Geigel, and I think it was in Carolina at one time, and um, just different ones that was going that way. And, and, uh, I 
I just wanted to wanted to go there, so I went in and I talked to him. And Bob says, "Yeah, come on in." Yeah. And of course, Bob Brown became a um, a figure that was unique to the territory, and and so you look back on it and have a lot of laughs and and all that. But um, it was it was a great territory. The, the talent there was good. It was it was like a more like a home knit family. And yeah. I, I had the experience at that time to, you know, to be able to to pursue the the, the better matches and all that too. Yeah, and uh, yeah, know, that, so that's awesome. It it just um, it was a great territory, and and Geigel, I, that guy was such such a good person. That's awesome. Um, that's awesome. You know, you always he'd, he'd say, uh, "See you later, pal." <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing him on Crockett all the time as the head of the NWA. You know, and, yeah, and that was his shoot yeah. job, right? He was he was the yeah. president of the NWA. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not sure yeah, of the title. Was. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you worked guys there like the Batten Twins, Butch Reed, you know, mm-hmm. Pork Chop Cash. The warlord, as we talked about, I would love to hear something about some of those guys. How was it working? A lot of those guys. Well, um, the Batten twins. Um, Brad took a, a leave of absence, and uh, so uh, I started tagging up with Bart. Oh, okay. And and then um, the thing was Ken Tims and Porkchop Cash had the tag titles, yeah. And so we we went back and forth with the tag team championships. And, uh, that, you know, this, it was, everything there was great. The, the home territory, um, the, the home Coliseum, Kansas city, it was a perfect wrestling venue. And, yeah. um, you know, so it, when they, and they packed it most of the time, yeah. but, uh, it was, um, it was, it was a territory that you could go out, you know, your extensions went out in every direction and a few long trips, but most of them, you know, you, you didn't have to stay over uh, unless you wanted to. So, you know, but it was, um, I was there for eight years and uh, I was, you know, it was an honor to get the chances that I got there. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, and that's actually where I got into the limousine business. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, you know, I, this is a good question actually to ask you right now. So when you're going through all these territories, either Memphis or Florida or Texas, where do you normally stay? Do you have like a home base whenever you're in a territory or are you traveling all the way back to Salem and coming to the next territory? How does that work? No, uh, you try to find a place there to stay. Okay. And sometimes, you know, one of the guys uh, may be already there and they've got an apartment there. They've got a home back somewhere else. And yeah. so they've, they've got an apartment and they'll, they'll let you come stay a little bit till you find where you want to go. Oh, okay. It's your okay. own place. And, you know, it's, we're like brothers out there. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, so um, when I left, um, see, I think the last place. Um, it was, it was in San Antonio. Then I think that's where I went to next. But, um, when I got there, the guy go just, he took a liking to me and, you know, so the, the word that, that gets used is you get the homestead, meaning you're going to yeah. settle in the territory for, you know, the rest of the days or whatever. Right. And, you know, so I had the best run there and, it just you know the city was big enough that there was a lot of stuff to do and 
um, the guys that was there, great, great workers. Um, yeah. Um, you know, it was just, it was just an awesome territory. It was like the mid Atlantic that I grew up watching. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so now I got to bring this guy up because this guy actually has a move named after him. He's one of those guys that you can, you had a move and he's legendary in the business. And honestly, you know, I've heard his name brought up so many times, especially from the younger guys, because, you know, they go over every move. They don't really walk and talk as much as they should. But Pat O'Connor, that's just a legendary name. And also he has a move named after him. So tell us a little bit about Pat. Um, I didn't really get to meet him. Um, I, I did one time. I think it was um, something that was in the central states that he come in for. But then, of course, at that time, I, he was more into working for Vince. Yeah. So, right. uh, so I didn't get get much chance to you know get to really know him. But right. He was, he was there for a few shots. I think it showed he was a partial owner or something to that effect at one time there. But so in 88, Central States actually changes their name to the World Wrestling Alliance. Was that to do something, I guess, maybe to make it less regional and more like big sounding, I guess? I think it was part of it. And they were getting uh, people in from all over the country, you know, and it's cable with right. you know, TBS that you got to do that. You got to step your own game up. And yeah, so that's that what they sense. were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Taking it away from more of a regional name to a larger sounding name. It, it makes sense for right. sure. How about uh, legendary wrestler, Ray Stevens? Um, I, I only got to meet him. I never worked with him or, or had a chance to really, um, sit and chat with him yeah but uh you know he was he was interesting yeah he was he was yeah that's a great way to say it so well so in 88 if obviously you've worked in in central states and the world wrestling alliance as it's named now but then you end up working a tag team paul diamond and pat tanaka called bad company now it's all yeah, it, to me, I think they were one of the great tag teams, and I think they're underrated as far as a tag team. Talk about yeah. those guys a little bit. Um, they were easy to work with, and and uh, uh, we had some great matches. Um, um, Brad Batten took a hiatus, I was telling you about, and so Bart and I got the tag title, so we worked some matches with them. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, but I knew I knew them from the Carolinas, too. Gotcha. Okay. So, okay. So that, was, that was a plus. And so you're also doing your limousine business at this time as well? Um, it's, uh, it's 94. Oh, okay, gotcha. Gotcha. The limousine company was in the same office building. Oh, okay. And you you could tell Geigel was slowing down, and and yeah. the the wrestling business was changing. Vince was taking oh, over territories yeah. and yeah. and all that. And I was already forty, and I didn't think I had the youth to try to start. And I didn't want to go back to just being you know job or anything. Sure. And yeah. uh, so I talked to the guy that had the limo service, and he said sure. And um, you know, so I, I started driving for him part-time when I was on a day off yeah. and then, you know, as, as it progressed, I really enjoyed it. And then, um, I decided that, you know, I wanted to come back home. My mom was not getting any younger and I wanted to help her out some. Sure. Sure. So, uh, I came back and then it's about a year later, I just I had 
been planning on it or thinking about it. So I started putting into the, the works to start my own limo company. Cool. And Very cool. So January of 98, I started it. That's awesome. Be 26 years in, in January. That's awesome. Oh, wow. That's awesome. awesome. Well, well, let's dial it back just a few years before we get to finish up here. But as we go with in 1990, you actually ended up going up to Vern's and working in AWA some. How did that happen? How would um, Geigel sent me and DJ Peterson up there to do a couple of shows? Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So yeah. it wasn't a long thing. It was just a couple no. spots. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. How did, how was it working for Vern? And how did you feel about that territory as a whole? Um, well, if I I hadn't gotten started getting to the older age and say, oh, sure. yeah, I understand. <laughs> um, you know, I, I probably would have pursued it. I'd like to have gone to the Pacific Northwest. That's one place I didn't get to go. Right. But, right. Um, but, you know, getting to work up there with a few shots and I knew some, some of the people. So that yeah. was a plus. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it, it made it enjoyable and, but, but, you know, at that time it was, you could see events trying to take over everything. And, right. and so, you know, I had that been doing a lot of thinking about, because I love cars and I love to drive. And yeah, so that's, that was, I tell people I, I went from the, the domino stretch to the super stretch. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. I love that. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, and so in 91, and you can tell me if I'm wrong about this, but there was a house show in Kansas City, WCW had, and yeah. you sh- it shows you work, Mike George. Was that actually your last match? No, the, the Crockett came out there for a little while. Okay. Um, and I, that's where I got to tag with Wahoo. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. And that was, you know, that was a, a thrill of its own. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so they were doing some spot shows out there and, of course, working with Geigel. And, but but you could kind of tell that the industry was changing and Geigel, Geigel didn't have the youth to, right. uh, to fight for it like right. um, in earlier years it would have. Yeah. Yeah. What would you that's say fair. Bob's legacy is to the business? Um. Well, I, I remember that he was a shooter, and you know he he could put you in your place. But the, one of the nicest people you could ever meet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it sounds like to me that you kind of see the end coming, maybe for your career, but also for the territories. Because if there's anybody on any show ever podcast any time in wrestling you are what i would consider a tried and true territory guy you literally touched i mean other than the pacific northwest or maybe in san francisco or wherever la or whatever other than that you basically hit them all and you know how was it to know that you literally were a territory guy and and that I say that with a complete respect and honor, you know, knowing that how much the territories meant to pro wrestling. How was it to watch them end? How was it to watch the end of it happen? It was it was kind of a shame, it, you know, if it would have been planned to, you know, have the big shows, you know, yeah. like the Super Bowl. Right, that right. It, where everybody could get along, but you know, the, there there was battles in the offices just as much as in the ring sometimes. Right, uh, you know, of different territories and people. You know, there would be somebody that would try to start up and go in and, and steal a territory or steal a town. Yeah, yeah. and you know, uh, you know, if you'd have worked 
as a partnership, you know, you share the money, but, you know, it made a strong base for it. Yeah. You know, I saw that, you know, I know Crockett and Vern and Fritz, they would get together and do these big shows. I know they would run these big super shows, but the sad part about it, if you look at the card, it's a Crockett match, it's a Vern match, it's a Fritz match. They never really seem to cross over on those cards to make those dream matches happen. Now, I know Rick and Kerry Von Erich wrestled and some other guys, but when it came down to it, it didn't seem like they took full advantage of the fact of like, hey, look we've got a big name here and a big name here let's put rick against this guy let's put you know the road warriors against these guys let's put all these tag teams and take advantage of these dream matchups but again what i've heard and you could probably agree with this i would assume is that it just really wasn't something that they had their full heart into it seemed like everybody was still kind of looking out for themselves is that true you think well, I would kind of say that a little bit of that might be, but it, it was like in what I learned in the beginning is uh, Nick was a gimmick territory. Yeah. Papos were uh, a new newbie on the yeah. block. Yeah. Um, Jarrett was established and didn't worry about the others coming along. And, you know, so they didn't have to change to, to become one. You know, I think – if it was all to be done again, they'd probably do it different. Yeah. But, uh, you know, of course, then Vince started moving out and coming into everybody's territory. And, you know, that was that was like the biggest fear, but they didn't put it together strong enough to to block it or to to ride with it or whatever would have been best. Right. That makes sense. Well, Rick, you know, this has been incredible. I I can't believe the time has flown by like it has. We thank you so much for coming on. You know, whenever we wrap up every show, we always pivot to the Jared's last question. This is his second favorite. You've already answered the Mount Rushmore, (laughs) but this is his second favorite. And again, once, you know, we thank you so much. And Jared, go ahead. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Rick, thank you for an amazing interview. And uh, just my this question, I know it's going to be a tough one. It's a tough one for everybody, especially uh, with somebody who's wrestled as many matches as you have. But if you can think of like one or two or three of your like just your favorite matches you ever had, where you just felt like everything went the way it was supposed to, just an amazing opponent. What what would those matches be? Hmm. Um. Well, there'd have to be, definitely be one in there with Randy Savage. Yeah. Um, out of all the matches I had with him, there was one that um, I think Ronnie Garvin didn't show up, um, transportation issues. And so they, whenever you, that would happen, they would put over the baby face so the fans left happy. Yeah. And that was the only time I went over Randy. Oh, well. so, <laughs> hey, but, hey, but, you got that going but, for you. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, it's it's just um, there There were many, many places I got to see and, and all that. It, it just, the memory still float in my mind and, yeah, you know, just think about it all the time. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I wish you could stay young, young forever. Yeah, me too. Well, hey, amen to that. I, I would, I would fix a lot of stuff if I could, but either way, definitely could. So, you know, again, Rick, you, you are a true legend of the business and a true 
just honored to have you on our podcast and to tell your Thank story. You very much. I know we've it, honestly we've covered a lot, but I feel like we've also scratched the surface too. So maybe we'll just get you back for part two to go a little bit deeper with some some other stuff. But truly, that would be we, great. We're just so thankful that you gave us the time because the idea of our podcast, give me back my pro wrestling. You are. Yeah. You're the mascot of that. You know what I mean? You truly lived through the time of what I would consider the greatest period of pro wrestling of all time. And I don't think there's any question about that. I guess, where can they find you now? Like you said, you said you were going to the WrestleCade event. Where can people find you? Where will people be seeing you coming up? Um, Well, I go to Waterloo, Iowa every year, and I go to Vegas every year for the Cauliflower Alley Club. Okay. Um, Then... um, Sometimes I go to Charlotte and um, I, I haven't made the connection with the new promoter when Greg Price was doing it. Yeah. I just I just knew that it was t- you know that I needed to make time to be there. Yeah, and it was you know it flowed, but I haven't got that with the new guy that does the uh, Starcade uh, or the uh, the one in Charlotte. Okay. But anyway, um, no, it's it just. Um, I, I appreciate y'all taking the time to do this and, and uh, it brings back so many memories. You know, you yeah. don't sit and think about in detail some of the stuff. Yeah. Oh, one person that um, I have to mention that was one of my greatest mentors was Rufus R. Jones. Oh, freight train. You got to love He it. rode in my car more than anybody in the Carolinas. Thank and you then, for bringing that up. Seat. He was my my co-pilot yeah and uh i have the all the respect in the world for for him he yeah. was um you know and he would coach me and uh but he was just a good friend that's awesome that's awesome yeah. rick if you next time you're in charlotte buddy dinner's on me okay you come down okay. we'll, we'll take good care of you but all right i just once again thank you all so much for listening to this incredible interview with this incredible guy rick mccord and rick you're the best we just thank you so thank much you. all right thank you appreciate it rick. yeah i like i like to come to charlotte um whenever i get a my company gets a trip to go to the charlotte airport yeah. So yeah. usually when I see that pop up, I, I say, I'll do that one. CLT. <laughs> <laughs> so I can just go back and reminisce. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, we're going to, we're going to end this here. And then uh, coming up next, we're going to wrap things up with the plastic chic. But once again, Rick, thank you, brother. You're the best. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, Rick. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you too. Take care. It. We'll talk All right, soon. You too. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Yeah. This is your rock star ring announcer, Aaron Camaro. I'm a man who believes the two greatest art forms ever created are professional wrestling and heavy rock music. So when I'm not hosting the best parties that also happen to be live professional wrestling shows, I'm hosting the Decibel Geek Podcast. Decibel Geek is a weekly podcast that features discussions of all things rock. We're talking the Beatles, the Stones, Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, Black Sabbath, Kiss, Ozzy, Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Alice in Chains, Pantera, and everything in between. Plus, we'll turn you on to new bands from today that have the same spirit and style that the legends do. 
Decibel Geek is hosted by myself along with Rockin' Pod founder Chris Sinzak. And each week you'll get interviews with famous musicians and industry insiders along with informative, entertaining, humorous, and insightful discussions and most importantly, a passion for the music. So if you love to rock out as much as I do, then this is your invitation to the greatest rock and roll party in all of podcasting. It's Decibel Geek, and it's available right now on all major podcast platforms. Oh yeah. Oh, sheep, man, I tell you, that was a great interview, dude. Rick has just had an exceptional career. That's all I can say, you know. Oh, yeah, man. He's uh, he, he definitely has been around the block with uh, all the names that we uh, grew up watching, man. It's uh, it's amazing. A tried and true territory guy. You know, I was doing the research for the show and I looked at all of his stuff and I was like, man, he basically dipped once the territories were over with. Other than he, he did one WCW match in Kansas City and was like, eh, I'm out, you know. so peace out he started up that limousine business and and took on a second career it's funny because like tommy angel you know he dipped and then at 94 and then boom he jumps into john boy and billy and in radio and boom rick mccord did the exact same thing it's like they saw when the time was to leave when they were ready to go and boom it was it was that and they made the choice and seems like both of them ended up very successful after that so you really can't you know, so it's like they got the best of the wrestling business, but then at the same time, they got out when the getting was good and, you know, yeah. the heck lived to tell about it, you know. And, but yeah, Rick, man, just, you know, I've heard his name so many times throughout the years, but from Kenny Steele talking about him, knowing him to other guys knowing him, and then, you know, just end up, I sent Shane Morton, our official, you know, liaison to these guys. I said, Shane, do you have, any contact for Rick McCord and he sent me his number and I was like, yeah, I guess you do. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Shane. Definitely appreciate that one for hooking it up for us. Definitely appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks as always, Shane, man. Yeah. And other than that, man, we just, you know, just definitely had fun with Rick. I, I feel like we could have kept going, but, you know, sometimes kind of want to watch the clock a little bit and not run the show too long. That way we're not, you know, talking until, you know, it's like, okay, what'd you eat yesterday? You know what I mean? Like, we don't yeah. want to do that. But anyway. Yeah, you got you got to, I was thinking just now when, uh, when you're talking about, you know, tried and true territory guy, like, you know, he went, he went on and, you know, he's been successful with the uh, limousine business and everything that then. And, you know, uh, Tommy Angel, we were talking about him. He'd been successful after. But just think, there were probably some of these guys that weren't able to find success other in other things in life after the territories yeah. shut down and, and how unfortunate that is. I mean, yeah, I mean, but it kind of shows you what kind of go getters those guys that's true. were. That's true. You know true. what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. But we got some cool things coming up before the end of the year. I think there's going to be two more episodes before 2024, maybe three. I don't know. Don't hold me to that. But anyway, got some good ideas, got some good people coming up. Definitely, definitely just stay tuned, as always, to at GMBMPW on Facebook, on Instagram, on X, on YouTube. Just keep us 
dialed in and you'll see who's upcoming and and what to expect next you know we just want to thank you all so much for all the support you've given us all the downloads you've listened to all the youtube views all the anything you do we greatly appreciate it thank you all as always so much i know we dropped this a day early but tomorrow is thanksgiving so we obviously want to wish everyone a very happy thanksgiving and i hope you eat to your filled and maybe some more and hope it was all good man for sure yeah i'm looking forward to it myself so (laughs) (laughs) me too line up a plate for me so yeah but other than that do you have anything else you'd like to say before we go no man i think i think at this time it's good oh man i was hoping you surprising me with another wrestling ticket but anyway yeah unfortunately (laughs) not yet (laughs) (laughs) anyway yeah well again thank you all so much happy thanksgiving have a great day go watch some wrestling listen to some podcasts we thank you all we'll see you later don't forget (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) with a tear in my eye this is the greatest moment in my life This has been a James Rock Street production.